Hi, my name is Anja Karwowska and I'm the host of this amazing podcast, Get Unstuck with Your English. If you are a neurodivergent person, struggling with learning the language, tend to procrastinate too much, or maybe you have so many goals you get lost right over bed, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you have come to the right place, my friend. I'll teach you how to apply cognitive science and evidence-based methods to your learning. I will walk you through the learning plateau. If you're scared to talk, the vocabulary evaporates your mind. You have been studying for ages, following shiny objects, binge-watching Netflix, hoping that the knowledge will cross your head first Moses. If so, I'm here to help you. I'll show you how to study and tackle the language, and most importantly, how to make it stick. I'm inviting you on the journey with me. Let's add a science sprinkle to your learning. Hello, it's me again, Anja Karwowska. I hope you're having a lovely day, evening or afternoon. So today in this short podcast episode, just before I go on my vacation, I've decided to record a really short one because I think it is needed and soon we'll have September. So I wanted to present you with five ways how you can identify your dyslexic student. And I will present you five skills, five skills, or five activities that you can incorporate in your classroom, have them at the beginning of a class, and they will help you not only identify, but test your student. So how can you identify a dyslexic year for a student? Number one. So first of all, look into the first language assessment. If there is any, if you're in a state school, that's your best way to go. In some countries, you will have IEP. In other countries, you will have something that's called IPET. It just depends country to country. Educational history and struggle should be there. So that's number one. Number two, talk to the parent. Yeah, I know parents are not very willing sometimes. I think it's a little bit of trauma and anxiety. And, you know, no one likes to fail. Let's be honest, right? But if you just create that supportive, inclusive, I know that's a very <laughs> trendy word, but really inclusive environment in which someone can open up, they can really help. That's number two. Number three, uh, look at your student's writing. So if your student is writing in English, look at the writing. Writing is the blood work of your language. So if you want to check whether your student is struggling or not, look at the writing. Check how they write. It really helps and it will give you the insight into what the struggles are because the mistakes they will be making may be phonological in nature, morphological or grammatical. So. Imagine this, you may have a student who has been in therapy or who has been receiving intervention for some time. And let's say their phonological and phonemic awareness might be really good, but still they don't have this grammar awareness. Sometimes it stems from the fact that we have to rush through the material. We didn't have time to focus on one segment, sometimes on the foundations. Sometimes it means that the student needs more help. Sometimes it means that the student doesn't have the idea what a sentence is, right, in the first language. So it's difficult to expect them to have the awareness in the second language. So that's another thing. Then I would highly recommend multisensory grammar, but I have a different episode on that and the training as well. Now, and number four, ask your student to read. Look at the prosody, look at the speech, look if there are any underlying issues. Maybe they are confusing in the speech. P with B, T with D, K with G, with B, etc., etc. These are the red flags, right? So that's another idea. Then you can ask them to read a very short paragraph and check the comprehension. 
The comprehension fails, that means that something going on. Because if the comprehension fails, it means that the person is so focused on decoding that they just don't have the time to process. So they do not retain any information because all the attention goes to that one skill. So now, how can you test your student if you are in a classroom beyond that? So if you want to test phonological skills, right, you can try things like rhyming. Say to words, cat head, ask them to identify the rhyme. Identify the initial sounds in dark, right? Final sound, blend sound. For example, say the individual sounds like B, A, T. <laughs> ask them to blend and complete and say the complete word bad. You can ask them to segment sounds. So uh, ask them to identify the sounds in the word, right? Ask them to manipulate the phonemes, syllable counting, let's say syllable deletion if you have the word birthday, say birthday with the first syllable, and so on and so forth. There are many, many tests that you can apply. You can, for example, ask them to decode words like cat, dog, hat. You can check the sound simple correspondence, apply phonic rules, encoding, spelling. Because remember, if your student is struggling with spelling, then they will be struggling with reading. You can also check the reading skills. So, for example, if they have problems recognizing sight words, they omit words, or maybe they substitute. There is a word cat in the read dog, right? In the writing skills, check the errors, common phonetic patterns. But look at the inconsistent spellings. Look at the multisyllable words, how they are dealing with them. Can they read them? Can they identify them? If they have problems, they struggle with segmenting, blending sounds. You can also check the oral language skills if they have limited vocabulary in the second language, but not in the first language, because if the vocabulary is limited in the first language, then I would say ask the parents for the child to be seen by a speech language pathologist, SLP, that would be the best avenue to take. Look at the spoken language expression. Are they using something that we call a circumlocation? So are they trying to go around? You can compare them to peers. I know, I know that generally we do not compare kids because it's harmful and I agree, but sometimes peer comparison is not that bad because then you can see where your student is at. And if it rings a bell, you can help them. And I would say time is of an issue always, 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 always. You have lots of things, but time is not one of them. So if your student is struggling, don't waste your precious time. And the last one is teacher and parent input. So you just gather insights from parents and teachers regarding the concerns about the reading and writing skills. And that would be all. It's very, very short. I just wanted to package it and have a bite-sized chunk of knowledge just for you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have been thinking of working with me, you can go to About Me page, which is linked in the episode description, and just browse through lots of materials that I have prepared for you. And please remember, my signature course, the Sex in the Field Classroom, is opening on September 5th. The, the door will be open only for six days. The live version is sold out, so now we can hop in and sign up for the hybrid version, which will have four live course. And other than that, have a wonderful, wonderful day, evening or night. Enjoy the rest of the day or enjoy your weekend. Talk to you soon. Bye.